Uh, welcome this morning. Uh, great to uh, spend some time just in worship together and singing. Uh, worship is a continuous thing, but singing is uh, a part of it, and grateful to be able to do that with some other voices. It was uh, wonderful. Um, also, you know, great to be here together to study His Word. So, did you bring your Bibles with you this morning? Hopefully you did. Hopefully that's becoming like that thing you'd be like, man, is he ever going to stop asking? No. Um, not, not until they're all here. Uh, why? Because we want you to get used to having it in your hands and then opening it and having it in your mind and in your heart. It is, uh, it, it's more than just words on a page. It's, it's, it's been life-changing for us and continues to do so. Uh, and uh, we want to help people find Christ. We want to help people find community. And so the series that we're in today... Uh, is called uh, I Am, and we've been talking about how Jesus has been revealing who God is through, uh, through his, um, just through his actions on the planet, but also through these statements where he would say, make these statements of saying, I am, referring to, to uh, who God is, but also how, he ex- how he's really expressed on the planet. And uh, our, our goal in all of this is that the same uh, as Christ, that, that we would know him for ourselves, that you would know him for yourself, that you would know God as he really is. There's all kinds of people who have ideas about who God is, and they're happy to tell you about them. But too many people believe in a God that doesn't truly exist. And then when they get into, say, some hard times, they're like, God, I thought if I followed you, you'd bail me out, and everything would just go fine. He never promised that. And it's like, and then people are disappointed in a God that actually doesn't exist because they don't know him for who he really is. And that's not on him. As he sent Jesus, he's like, hey, let me reveal to you who God really is. Let me tell you. Let me show you who God really is. And through his I am statements in the book of John. So if you got your Bible, go to John 11. uh, As as he's talking about, or sorry, John 10. As he's talking about these I am statements of who he is, the the early listeners, the readers uh, and and hearers in in, uh, surrounding Israel, they would have immediately tied that to where um, God revealed himself to Moses by saying, I am that I am. Moses like, what's your name, God? You know, the creator who's, who's speaking to me. He's like, I am that I am. And when Jesus came to the planet, he says, I am. They're all like, man, this guy thinks he's God. And uh, they were right. He did think he was God. He was, not only think, he was God. And as we look at the I am statements, they're just little, they're little facets of like a diamond. You turn a diamond and you see, you see it showing off different, different um, reflections of light as you turn it. And it's the same thing with, with the I am statements of Jesus. We, we're going to look at one, but it's just one facet. And as it, as it continues to turn and we see that he's holy and he is light and he is good. And uh, as we continue to go through that, you see more and more of him. And what you begin to realize is there's no end. There's no end. It's like a great, um, doing a great puzzle. You know, have you ever done a puzzle and you got just one piece and uh, you like, you know, you start working on it, but you don't have the box. You don't have the picture and you begin to try and figure things out together. It's much like that. Uh, and then eventually you get to f- the finished puzzle and you see it was like, oh, the Great Barrier Reef. And you're like, I can't even find that original little puzzle piece anymore. It's, it's just so expanded. And that's the same thing. As we study his word, it's like, oh, I'm beginning to see. I'm beginning to see and realizing that, that it's never ending what we can learn about him. So we're going to jump in this morning. Um, we're actually beginning today's message in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having. There was a guy that was healed. Uh, he was blind and then, he was, uh, then, then Jesus healed him and he could see. And uh, the Pharisees around there, they, they, weren't too, they weren't too happy with that. And they began to challenge him. And he began to say to them, I came to make the, you know, the blind people see, but I've also revealed that there's people who think they can see. 
but they're actually blind. And he's like, these people, like these religious folks, these Pharisees who think that they've got um, God and faith all figured out. He's like, but you're blind. You don't understand that the sight, that what you need to see is standing right in front of you. And the Pharisees, this group, they just refused to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. They wanted to do it on their own. They're like, we don't need a savior. We already have a plan. It's we're just going to be good like the Old Testament says, and we can do it on our own. If we try hard enough, we can keep the Ten Commandments. And they were actually paid to, to live out their life trying to keep all of the commandments. And they failed. And anybody today who tries to do it, you're going to fail. You know, humanism is, uh, in our culture, is this thing, well, we can be good just for goodness sake. We don't need religion. We don't need God. We can just be good on our own. How's that going? Honesty tests were like, oh, you know, we can't do it on our own. And so God, through Jesus, is, is having this conversation with these people, and he reveals a ton about who God is, and he reveals a ton about who they are, but he also reveals a ton about who we are as humans. And so we're going to take a look at that. We're going to read the, the first 16 verses, and we'll go back and we'll kind of unpack it. So let's uh, begin in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 1. He says this, I tell you the truth. Just in case anybody was wondering, he's like, hey, what I'm telling you is the truth. He says, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper, he opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. And those who heard Jesus use this illustration or this analogy, they didn't understand what he meant. They're like, what, what are you talking about? I don't, what, why, what's all this sheep, and, sheep and, you know, um, and, and gates and flocks and shepherds? And, like, what are you talking about? And so he explains it again in a, in a similar story. And he says to them this, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep didn't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. That's that word, I am. It's, it's that same statement. I am. God is the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They'll come and go freely. They'll find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Verse 11, he's like, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf come, and he'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock, and the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. Verse 14, but I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. They know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in the sheepfold, and I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice, and there'll be one flock with one shepherd. You know, as Jesus telling this, there is so much in here you could preach five, ten sermons from just this text. But Jesus is basically telling two parables, two analogies, two stories to reveal the same truths on both of them. One is that the fact is that there are good shepherds and there are bad ones. And the second part of it is he's revealing that there's a relationship between the sheep and the shepherd and that that relationship needs to be understood in this, in this context. He's explaining to these guys that, they're, that they, they are these bad shepherds, but there's hope. And as the crowd listens in, they learn some things about what it's like to be 
one of his sheep and what it's like to have a good shepherd. And we're going to look at that this morning. So if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to. Title today is I Am the Good Shepherd. And here's your first point. The first point is this, that we learn from this is that uh, they know him. We'll just keep it real simple. They know him. When it comes to the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, the people and their God, they know him. John 10 verse 3 We see it there. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for the true shepherd. And the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. You know, what's Jesus trying to explain to them? They're saying, hey, they recognize his voice. And we talk a lot about that here. Actually, almost every message I'll stand up and say, hey, I hope this morning you don't just hear my voice. I hope you hear his. But maybe we take it for granted of what that actually means. And maybe you're like listening to that. You're like, well, (laughs) I'm, uh, I, I, I'm not always sure exactly what you mean. Even last week, we ended the message with this verse, Hebrews 3.15. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And the writer was saying that people in the past, they've heard the voice of God. They're like, no, I'm not doing anything with that. No, I'm not going to obey. I'm going to harden my heart to it. And so the assumption that we have is that around this room today, you will hear his voice. But as we were talking about, we wonder maybe... Maybe you don't understand what that means to hear the voice of God. You're like, what do you mean, hear his voice? How do you do that? How do I know if it's him and not just you at the front? You know, it's going to be like a voice from above, like, attention, superstore shoppers, the store's closing in 15 minutes. You're like, if it was like that, I'd be like, I would know. Like, Dale, please report to, uh, you know, your job. Look for the lady in the third aisle. Tell her about Jesus. You know, you'd be like, okay, cool. I know what I'm supposed to do. Everybody knows what Dale's supposed to do? Exactly. We would be like, it would be, it would be easy because we would recognize, oh, it's this voice from above. But it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way, but it does happen. And, and what we want to encourage people to do is become, become much better at recognizing the voice of God, recognizing when it's his voice. And so we're going to play a little game here um, this morning. I don't want you to, um, I don't want you to shout out what, uh, what you, once you recognize the, the person. We're going to play a bunch of clips I want you to listen to the end of the clip, and at the end of the clip, I want you to shout out who you think that person is, all right? So we're going to start with some famous people. Do we have the audio clips for that? Let's start with number one. Girls only want boyfriends who have great skills. You know, like nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills. Who's that? Napoleon Dynamite, yes. All right, good, good. I was gonna, I was gonna ask anybody over forty, fifty, you know, knew who that was, but right on. Okay, next. Very Hello, famous. everyone, and happy Canada Day. No matter where you are, July first is an opportunity for us all to celebrate the country we call home, the people we share it with, and the future we're building together. Anybody know who that is? Yeah, <laughs> it's. It's not the guest speaker we were hoping for today. <laughs> well, we recognize the voice of Justin. How about, how about this one? I'm excited to be here. I, I, love, I love coming Sunday morning. As you know, I'm a, I'm a Saturday nighter, but uh, it's always a treat to come Sunday morning, and it's always a treat to get told by the coach you're in. He says, I know you're batting 110, but you're in. We got nobody else. So I'm, uh, I'm, honored. I'm honored for that. Uh, anybody know who that is? Bring back Gary, right? That is our favorite guest speaker, Gary. How about, how about this one? Final one. This is the toughie. Deep down here over the dark water lived old Gollum. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. 
He was Gollum, as dark as darkness, except for two big, round, pale eyes. He had a boat, and he rode about quite quietly on the lake, for lake it was, wide and deep and deadly cold. Anybody know who that is? Yes, Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien. I learned that it does not stand for Jolkian, Rolkian, Rolkian, Tolkien. Uh, but it, J.R.R. Tolkien, you recognize these voices. Some of you are like, yeah, I didn't know them. And that's kind of the point. When it comes to recognizing the voice of God, there are going to be some who don't recognize his voice. There's going to be some who recognize it because they know him. Like you heard today, it didn't matter what those people said. Like you recognize Gary's voice because you know him. You recognized um, uh, J- Justin's voice because you've, you've heard it before. But there was also two where you, you recognize Napoleon's voice probably because of just the sound of it, but also because of what he said. But those of you who recognize Tolkien's voice, it wasn't because you've heard Tolkien talk much. There isn't very much recorded of him, and I, I, I would highly um, doubt that there's many here who've heard his voice before. But you recognize what he said. You knew his voice by what he said. And so I want to encourage you that listening and hearing the voice of God is similar. It's similar that as you learn for what he said, as you dig into his word, you begin to recognize the voice of God when he's speaking. You know, Second uh, Timothy 3, verse 16, Paul writes to Timothy and he says to him, Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. All of it is God-breathed. And it's useful for us. He's like, he says, this, if you want to hear the voice of God, look into Scripture. Look into His Word. You know, um, we had a guy in our men's group. I, I love this. I don't know where he got it from. He may have heard it somewhere. But he's saying there's people who say, you know, yeah, but I just want to hear the voice of God. And he, he said, yeah, well, then read His Word. Yeah, but I want to hear an audible voice of God. And they're like, son, read it out loud. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's clever because we think, oh, no, but I want, I want to hear His voice in my way. And then some of us were honest, we're like, yeah, you know what? I want to hear his voice, but I don't really want to. Because, because of this next point, you know, he, um, what the word of God does something to us. It's not just that you hear his voice and like, oh, I heard the voice of God. Usually it requires something of us. Here's what it says in Hebrews 4.12. The author says the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's not just words on a page. It's alive and powerful. That voice exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. For what they truly are, the word of God deals with our innermost thoughts. See, often God speaks through our thoughts. And we don't just recognize it as him. But uh, anyone here have a conscience? You'd probably raise your hand to that. That's a good one, yeah. We got one. We got one. Con- oh, man, it's a good thing. But you know your conscience. You know, we have this thing in us, this little voice that goes off and says, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Right? You're about to do something. You're like, mm, no, I probably shouldn't. What is that? That's this inner morality that it's even for stuff you didn't learn. You come up against something like, oh, I don't, don't really know what to do here. But you have this inkling of like, mm, I probably shouldn't do that. It's often the voice of God just that's been, been just hardwired in us. It's that, that gifting that we might hear through our conscience saying this isn't right. Conviction's a second one where it's in your thoughts and you're like, it's not a quiet voice that says, eh, you probably shouldn't do that. It's usually the loud voice after you did it that says you're guilty before a holy God. And every one of us, every one of us, whether, you know, maybe you feel like, oh, I feel a bit, you know, guilty or awkward hearing that. Every one of us has heard it or needs to. And that's that conviction that we hear something and realizes, oh, wait, I'm, I'm at odds with God at this point. 
I need to do something about that. And then there's simply our thoughts, where it's like the, him, him leading our lives in our day to day. And uh, the, our thoughts originate from three different places. You know, you, have, you say some of you are like, yeah, I feel like sometimes there's voices in my head. Everybody has them. You know, the enemy can put thoughts in your head. You can have thoughts in your head. And God can put thoughts in your head. These, these things, it's like, well, what do I do? How do I sort through that? Paul's re- referenced it by wearing a belt of truth that you can sort through. This is true. Yeah, this is not with, with the thoughts in your mind. And, and I would just say simply that as you're learning to hear the voice of God, sometimes it happens through your thoughts in this way. You might have a thought, you should steal that. And you're like, okay, let's analyze this thought. This thought. Is, this, is this God? It's probably not him since his word says not to do that. So then it leaves two. It's either me or the enemy. And you can roll the dice on whether you're going to obey it. Either way, it's probably not going well for you. But you can sort out what it is. And the flip side is just the same. That when you hear those, you know, you hear the, the, the uh, uh, something, for instance, happened in my life this week. Where it's, uh, you know, maybe let's go with the stealing thing. He's like, oh, you know, stealing. I know that's not him. But sometimes you're like, it might be. There, there's something that might be him. I had this thing this week where I had an email sent to me. And the email was asking some things about our church and, you know, whether, you know, we were inclusive and stuff. And I was like, this is an easy email. I can just send this back. And I had this pause. I felt this pause that, no, don't, don't just answer this, you know, harshly. No, see you later, whatever. We're not the church for you. And I was like, okay, Lord, what, what, what should I be writing? And it was instantly these questions coming to me. Why, why are they searching for a church where that's the only thing they're looking for? So I began to email back, and, uh, back to this person, and, and they began to email back to me. And I was like, you know what? I think there's a conversation that needs to happen here. I don't fully know, but I feel like this, this needs to happen. And so we set up a time. We met at Tim Hortons, and I was, it was amazing in the sense that uh, I, I, I wasn't just for her, but there was things that, that the Lord was doing in my life I just out of that conversation, recognizing the real people on the other side of something. And there was this pause. You know, and sometimes... I think when we look at these, uh, these things that happen in our life, we had a message way, way back. You can look it up called the 10-second rule, that sometimes you have these, these things that happen in your life, and you're like, well, I, I'm, I'm reasonably certain it's the Lord, and then to do something, to be obedient to it. For instance, I had to weigh that thought out. You know, is it Satan who's trying to help this person find another church? <laughs> probably not. You know, is it me? I'm like, I don't even want to do this, so it's probably not me. That leaves one option. So, Lord, I, I, I'm reasonably certain this may be you, and I'm going to follow that and obey that. You know, I had, uh, uh, can, I, can I tell you one more story? So, so um, this, this I, the other day, um, well, a couple, of, I don't know, probably a month and a half ago, we need to buy an iPad for the church. And so I'd gotten scammed before buying iPads for the church, so uh, I was, like, really, really careful about how this was going to go. And then uh, I got these people who were, like, some more scammers tried to get me, and I was like, no. And then I had this, 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 e- this uh, thing on Marketplace come up for an iPad, you know, uh, for mini number f- uh, four for 150 bucks. I'm like, that is too good to be true. But I sent it anyways, and it was a real person. I was like, oh, this is, this is crazy. So I was like, yes, I, I want to buy it. And he's like, well, can you come get it today? And I'm like, oh, man, I can't get it today. I was like, can you hold it for me? I can come get it in a few days. And then uh, as I was, um, oh, sorry, are we looking for 376? Yes, if your number is 376, you have a child who needs your attention immediately. <laughs> if you're watching online, disregard that. It's all good. <laughs> so we, as we went through... 
as we went uh, through this, this thing, I was emailing back and forth with this person, and uh, then he's like, well, can you come tomorrow? I was like, I can't come tomorrow. I'm like, this is, you know, it's going to get away on me. And so I said, but my wife's going to be there. And I found out that it was in Brantford. I was like, well, my wife's going to be in Brantford. I was like, uh, and she was going to do this thing. And so I said, Han, can you, can you go to this place and, you know, p- meet this strange person and pick up this iPad for me? <laughs> and... Uh, she, she, she texts me back. She's like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, uh, and sends me, you know, so where's the address? And I send her the address. And it's like in the, like, it's in downtown Brantford. Like, she drove there. It was, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh, man, downtown Brantford. She doesn't even know which apartment it is. It's dark. It's my wonderful wife. It's worth it. You know, I, <laughs> I, I don't know where that thought came from, but, you know, but, but she went, and uh, she went, and it, th- th- she, she got there, she, she asked this couple, this, the whole family came out to sell the iPad, like a husband, a wife, and a little 11-year-old girl, and her 8-year-old brother, and uh, they come out to sell the iPad, and, and she begins, she says to the man, like, why, you know, why are you selling? He's like, ah, you know, it's, we just moved here, it's a little from the Philippines, a little difficult to make ends meet, we're just selling some stuff, and, and uh, he's like, she, so she says to him, oh, that's, that's, thank you for that, and he says, oh, it's not me, it's my daughter who's selling it. To help the family. And Beth, of course, did that. And then reached into her wallet and gave extra money, right? She's like, oh, thank you. Here's the money for the dad. Here's an extra 20 bucks for the girl. And, and uh, as they began talking a little bit, they found out why they were here from the Philippines. They are just feeling like the, as pastors there, they just had, God was sending them here on a mission. And they weren't sure exactly what, but they knew. And so Beth comes home. She's like, she wakes me up. She's like, I can tell you a story. And I was like, okay. She's like, yeah, I went to this place. And, you know, here's this little girl. She's used 20 bucks and, you know, selling the thing. She goes through the whole story and tells it to me. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Again, I'm inviting them over for supper. And I was like... <laughs> Wait, what? It's like a strange family. I'm like, if I did that, I'm in trouble. And she's like, yeah, yeah, if you do that, you're in trouble. But I just feel like it's what the Lord wants us to do. So we invite them over. They came over this week, and uh, they just came in the door, and we just uh, immediately just had this conversation. But the dad's like, right away, he's like, hey, I need to tell you something. He's like, that day when you came uh, to our house and we got the 20 bucks, we knew that there was a bike that my daughter wanted to buy, but it was $40. And so we were like, wow, we have 20 bucks. And, and so he says, we just prayed together. And it's like, Lord, help us find another $20 so that my daughter can have this bike, because you just blessed her with 20 out of nowhere. And uh, then, as they said, the very next day, they went to call get this bike in Cambridge and the guy was like you know I just feel like I should be giving you this bike for 20 bucks I'm like man like you could say coincidence 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 and yet we'll say man there's too many coincidences for it not to be the Lord and here we've got a guy that who knows what I mean we're like fast friends now uh, and it was it was amazing watching him how through a thought through a thought now let me be clear on this thought is that too many Christians are only living for, oh, lead my thoughts, oh, Lord, and they have no basis or grounding here. If you think that he's leading you in a thought, like, make sure you check up to see, is that God? Does that line up with your word? Is that what you have in your word? Because if it's not, man, it's not him. It's not him. And I would encourage you that knowing his voice, is, is, uh, you know, it, it can be in many of these ways, but primarily it's here. And so what do we say about the sheep? They know him. They know him. They recognize his voice. The, 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 the true followers of Jesus know him. And second is this. He knows them. He knows them. How do we know? John 10, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice. They come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name. Not only do we recognize his voice and know him, but he knows them. 
And you like thinking about this, maybe you're like me, you're like, you know what? Well, of course he knows them. He's God. Of course he knows everybody. Like, yeah, that, that's kind of the given. But what kind of knowledge is Jesus talking about here? And I think it's really important for us to understand the difference in the, in the knowledge. And, and to help us, just flip, keep your finger in John 10. Just flip to the left to Matthew chapter 7 for a minute. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. You know, in Jesus' most famous sermon on the mount, he, uh, he shares this little portion of it. He says in verse 21, Matthew 7, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. I mean, this is a big statement. He's like, hey, not the people who just say, Lord, Lord, you know, like Jesus is Lord. He says, there's going to be some of them who don't end up in heaven. That, that's a big deal. What does he say? On judgment day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. What is that? In, in the name of Christ. As a Christian, I did all of these things. He says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Man, that, you, that verse used to terrify me. Like, man, like I, I'm trying my best. I'm doing all the right things. But maybe there's going to be people who say, Lord, Lord. And man, I might be one of them not getting in. Maybe that's you today. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of, why, why are we looking at that? You know, that, that's kind of depressing. I might not get in. Jesus is revealing the type of knowledge uh, in this place that he's talking about here and in John 10. When he says, I never knew you. It wasn't like Jesus was like, oh, wait a second. You know, I didn't even know you existed. Of course you're not coming in. No, he knows they exist, and they know he exists, but they're still not getting in. There's a knowledge that's missing there, and what is it? There's the intellectual knowledge of, I know that they exist, and, and I know that God exists, intellectual knowledge, and then there's relational knowledge. That knowing that in the Old Testament referred to an intimate knowledge of, I, I, I know him relationally, just like he's saying with the sheep and the shepherd. They know him, they know his voice, and he knows them by name. See, there'll be people who know of the existence of God and did stuff for him, but they didn't know him, and he didn't know them in the relational sense of the word. What does that look like today? People are busy, busy, busy with church stuff. You know, they, they, the religious activity, like going to church, I'll even sing and worship, I'll play on the band, I'll serve in the cafe, I'll serve in kids' ministry. But the motivation for it is something of like, I hope I'm pleasing the Lord. I'm doing it maybe for him. But not doing it out of this, I know who he is, and it's, it's why he's prompting me to do these things. You know, it's um, easy to slip into that trap, to be busy for God and not with him. I learned that the hard way. Uh, last year on, our, on my sabbatical, my eyes were really open to this concept where it came to light for me, where I began to spend time just sitting in silence with the Lord. And I didn't do that. I hated silence, and I bet you do too. Awkward. I don't, like, please say something, right? We, 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 don't, we don't like silence. It's just as easy as that to prove it. But I remember sitting in silence and just being challenged to go before the Lord with this thought that just let him know you. I, let, I would often go into prayer and be like, you know, Lord, I, I, I tell him about how amazing he is. And he's like, I already know that. And then I begin to say, like, Lord, I need you to do this, this, and this in my life. He's like, you think that's the answer, but I actually know the answer. I'm like, Lord, I've kind of messed up in this way, but if you fully understood the story, you'd know it was so-and-so. He's like, no, it wasn't. It was you. And it was this revealing of, like, there's nothing I can tell him that he doesn't already know. 
And this thought that God knows everything on heaven and earth, but he doesn't know me. Why? Because there's a part of us that has to allow that to happen. To just simply sit and say, Lord, (laughs) here's my silence. Here's my time. Here's my attention. Here's my heart. And like Samuel said, speak, Lord, because your servant's listening. I just want you to have free reign in my heart. Know me, Lord, for who I am and do whatever it is that you desire to do in me. You know, for people who are terrified of the silence of God, of the silence with God, I, I feel like part of that's tied to this, we doubt the goodness of God. We're like, man, I I'm scared because of what he might say, not realizing that he is good. He is simply, simply good. I love how he sang about it this morning. He's good. You know, I have a couple calves like that right now. They know my voice, but they do not trust my goodness. I can't, I mean, when I walk into the field, I'm like, you know, calling out to the cows and the two cows will come, but their calves, they book it the other way. They know my voice. Even at night, they know my voice and they're taken off. And I feel like that's sometimes the way it is with, with, uh, with us in church. And those calves, maybe they have good reason. They think, man, last time that guy got me, I had a bad experience. You know, this is the first day I was born. He put an ear tag in, put a needle in my neck to, you know, make sure I don't die of muscle disease and, and uh, you know, make sure I didn't catch corona and, and I did all these things. But they don't realize I'm doing it for their good. I'm doing it for their good. They don't realize that. And I feel like church is full of people who've been hurt some way, let down some way, and they think they doubt now the goodness of God. Your doubt of his goodness doesn't change it. He is good. He is good. He is good. And this is what Jesus explains to them, that he's the good shepherd. His, he knows, or his sheep know him, and he knows them. And third, he leads them. He leads them. John 10, verse 3. He says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice. They come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and then he leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. He leads them. He walks ahead of them. This would have been a really easy connection for them, actually for many of us too, but for them especially when they think about this this thing of he leads, a good shepherd leads, they instantly would be reminded of Psalm 23. They'd memorize it as children, and many of us have heard it so many times, we've memorized it as well. But listen to the words as David sings this ode to the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And we're like, this sounds like a funeral. But it was never meant to be just read at funerals. It was meant to extol the goodness of God. He says this, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. It's so full. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's David, man. He satisfies me. He's protecting me. The Lord cares deeply about me. He restores me. He comforts me. He's there for me. He's thinking amazing is probably how I would have finished it. David did better. You know, but maybe you remember a couple months ago, we studied this text together here in church with Jackie. And as she walked us through, we saw something. That as David began to write about the Lord, he's like, the Lord is my shepherd and he leads me and he does this and he does this. And then halfway through, anybody remember what happened? You may have recognized it there. From he, it began you. It was like, he's talking about God, about God, about God. It's like, oh no, it just got personal. You, Lord. 
It's you. You're, you're the one. Um, uh, he says, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. It's your rod, your staff that comfort me. You're the one anointing my head. And it's not just talking about a God somewhere or I believe in a God somewhere. He's like, no, he's my God. He's my shepherd. He's my Lord. He was in relationship with his shepherd. He understood it as a shepherd that he knew that there was this relational connection between sheep and a good shepherd. And then finally, the last point today is this. Not only does he, uh, they know him and he knows them, he leads them and they follow him. They follow him. Let's take a look, John 10, 4. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. It's not that they just know him and that he knows them, but they follow him. There's a leadership statement that said a leader with no followers is just a man on a walk. That better not be Jesus in this place. That he has sheep who follow, that his sheep who, who are truly his, they actually follow him, not just in name, but in deed. Here's a thought this morning. You know, we often talk about how Christian, the word Christian has lost its, its meaning in our culture. We've got so many people who call themselves Christian, but they, they, you're like, we don't know what that means anymore. You know, and so we've, we've picked up this other title called Jesus Follower. You know, I'm a Jesus follower. And it can be easy to just switch the name and say, yeah, yeah, I go to Kingsway. I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. But it's not about what you're called, but about who you're following. It doesn't matter what you're called, but who you're following. I heard a sermon from um, Sweets Corners this week, and they mentioned this word sheeple. And maybe you're familiar with the word sheeple. The last few years, that term's been sort of thrown around a, a bunch. If you don't know the word sheeple, it's like this negative moniker that they give people who copy what other people do or believe um, what they're told, but they don't think for themselves. That's a sheeple. Someone who copies what other people do or believe uh, and, and, and believe what they're told, but they don't actually think for themselves. And I think sometimes that, that, that thought of like, well, you know, the sheep, you know, that he's referring to are sheeple. They just sort of just follow and whatever. But that's, it's, it's much bigger than that. Sheeple will follow an ideology or a belief or a cause and not actually know why they're doing it. You know, whether it was COVID, whichever both sides of it, you know, Black Lives Matter and putting like the black box around your Instagram or whatever, you know, dealing with systemic racism uh, or even climate change. You know, just like, okay, this I just, and do, giving no thought for, them, for, for these things themselves. And we see people on both sides throw sheeple bombs. It's like, you're just a sheeple. You're just a sheeple. You're just, just following. And, and here's the thing. It's not, it's not totally incorrect. You know, the thing about, about sheep, and Scripture speaks about it so often about sheep in this way, is that we're wired to follow. We're designed to follow something. It's, it's who we are. Following is not a terrible thing in and of itself. Being a follower is not a terrible thing. It's almost like, oh, sheep, well, you're just followers. Following in itself is not a terrible thing, but knowing who or not knowing who and why you follow is. So knowing that, who we follow and why. And here's the thought this morning. As you read this, this text, we realize that Jesus didn't call people to follow the crowd that was following him. He never called anyone to follow the crowd that was following him. He didn't say, you know, oh, just go to Kingsway, follow Mark because he's following Christ. No, don't go and follow, oh, you know, we'll follow the Bible study leaders or whatever because they follow Christ. Or we'll follow the crowd to Kingsway because they just all turned in. I came to see what was going on. What does he say to them? What does he say to them? I want you to, they know my voice and I know them by name individually. They know God. He knows them. Here's the thought. Jesus doesn't want sheeple in the sense that they just follow a crowd that's following him. He wants you to know 
his voice for yourself. That's what he says in John 10. He wants you to know the truth for yourself, John 8. He wants you to know him for yourself, is what he says in Matthew 7. And here's what we learn. These sheep, they follow him. These people follow him because they know his voice, like we spoke about earlier. And what does follow mean? simply means to follow in his way, follow his teachings, imitate him. You know, there's this old statement, if you were on trial for being a Christian or if you were on trial for being a Jesus follower, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is there things in our life where we're like, we know that we're, we're actually following him? And you're like, well, I, I sometimes wonder, I'm not sure. Let me just give you a real easy test. When the world says, hey, we want you to go this way, and Jesus says, I want you to go this way, which way do you go? When the majority says, we need to think this way about these things, and Jesus says, no, you need to think this way, which way do you go? When your friends and your family are like, no, we want you to, we want you to think this way, be this way, act this way, and you're like, but Jesus says, which way do you go? And here's the big one. When you want to do whatever it is on this way, and you feel him prompting you saying, no, 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 you got to go this way, which way do you go? Am I following Jesus in those ways? Is he actually my good shepherd today? Great thought for us to consider. As we close today, this is my question. My question for me, it's my question for each of us, is this is a great one to ask. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Not just know about him, but I, but I know him. Why? How? I'm in his word every day. I'm like, man, God, I want to know you. Lead, my, lead me in this. Second is this, does he know you? Have you given him your heart? Like really saying, Lord, like I will sit in, in silent times that you can have my heart. Do you hear his voice leading you? Like are you going through your day and you're like, yeah, I'm aware of, of him. It's not constant or all the time, but there's these moments. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's him. I'm, I'm seeing him leading my life. And then the last one is, are you following? Are you doing what he calls you to do? You know, some doubt his goodness, had a bad experience with church and feel like it was God and don't realize that he's good. You know, in word, you're like, yes, I think he's good because we sang about it, we say it, but in action, we still have those doubts in our mind. I have a dog like that. Her name's Reba, and uh, Reba's lived with us for four years, but we're pretty sure that a beautiful blonde woman beat her before she came to our house because she wants nothing to do with Beth. And Beth said to me the other day, she's like, all I've been is kind to this dog for four years, and I can't get anywhere near her. And I think, man, all he's been is kind and good for us forever. And it's sometimes like I can't even get near them. Man, my challenge to you today is just to simply trust. God, I trust your goodness. Here I am. What you've done on the cross for me is more than enough. Here's my heart. And that's the exact reason why he's good. Let me leave you with these thoughts from the scripture as we close today. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, verse 11, John 10, verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd is described by this. He sacrifices his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. And it wasn't just this statement. Jesus wasn't saying in this spot where the good shepherd goes and just, you know, the wolf comes. He's like, take me first, and then you can have the sheep. He's like, no. He's like, he lays down his life. That word is the, the, the soul. He's like, all of my being and everything that I am is about these sheep. I'll be there to care for them, protect them. I'll do everything I can for them because I care deeply about these sheep. That's what makes him the good shepherd. But it was also a prophetic thing that he would indeed lay down his very life for the sheep. Isaiah prophesied it about 700 years before by saying it this way in Isaiah 53. Who's believed our message to him to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. There was nothing to attract us to him. 
He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And we turn our backs on him, and we look the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. He's prophesying about the cross, and he says this in verse 4, Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sin. He was beaten so I could be whole. He was whipped so I could be healed. And all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own, and yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Man, the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, that draws us to him. It was like Jesus being the shepherd, looking out at Israel, going, man, they look like sheep with no shepherd. If they don't have a shepherd, they end up dying And he looks at this crowd today with the same things. If you're a sheep with no shepherd, he's calling to you. He's drawing you that you might hear his voice, that you might know him, that he might know you, that he would lead you and you'd follow him, not only in the path of life here, but into eternal life. That's his call for you. And the way in is simply through the door, through Jesus himself, putting your trust fully in him. The author of Hebrews says it this way. It's a prayer. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that's pleasing to him, and all glory to him forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth that you share and that you show, just making it uh, it's, uh, so, so simple for us to, to be able to comprehend Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us to understand, to see who you are as a good God, as a good shepherd. Lord, your desire to know us and to be known by us. Lord, we see it. We see it over and over. Father, I pray that this week you help us experience it. That as each of us leave this place knowing that you're with us, that your rod and your staff, they comfort us that you're walking with us no matter what we face, no matter how terrifying it may be, you're with us. Lord, that you prepare the way, you prepare uh, for our needs, You're, you're taking good care of us. May our eyes be set on you alone. For those here today who don't know you and they're just trying to do life on their own and it's not working, Lord, would they sense you're drawing on them to come to find life in you. Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for us. Thank you for taking taking it all. You are the way, the truth, the life, and we gladly live this life with you. Lord, may we not forget what we've heard from you this morning. May it it affect and change our lives in profound ways for your glory. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you are dismissed. If you've got kids downstairs, please go get them first, uh, and then feel free to come hang out here. Uh, We got we got nothing going on till three o'clock, so you're more than welcome to stay here till then, till the coffee runs out. Have a fantastic day. If, there, if you're here this morning, you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to do that. If you've got questions, come on up, love to chat. Uh, have a great week. You're dismissed.